to Bickering Peaks with your hosts, Aiden and Lindsay. Uh, so here we are to discuss uh, season two, episode 10. Yes. Dispute between brothers. Yes. And this is the first post Laura Palmer episode. And boy, did we not enjoy it very much. <laughs> well, no, it's not that it's not that we didn't enjoy it. It's just well, uh, I didn't enjoy it. Well, it's 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 a okay. It's a letdown after you know. You come so up with a, you come yeah. up a really great emotional episode, and you have a bunch of these silly plot lines, and they but they do enter uh, introduce some interesting concepts that are going to be carrying us through to the end of uh, the end of the series. So yeah, um, it's not totally worthless. No, it's true. There is there is some new stuff introduced. Um, but it definitely feels it's a, it's not it's an oddly feeling episode. That was a terrible phrase. I'm sorry, but it doesn't feel like anything that kind of comes came before or anything that really comes after this. Right. It is it's almost celebratory at Leland's wake, which is the first major scene, and then it gets into a weird kind of headspace after that, where yeah. it's it's kind of. It's it's almost schizophrenic yeah, in the way that yeah. it it jumps from storyline to storyline, and I think it's the first sign of of a show that is trying to find its footing once the central driving question has been removed from it. Yeah. We we talked about this. Yeah. Uh, Laura Palmer's murder and the mystery surrounding her life being the central hub of this larger wheel that is the town of Twin Peaks, when that stops moving, the other pieces kind of spin out of control, and that's yeah. what we start seeing here. But We'll get there. This episode was written by Trisha Brooke, and it was directed by Tina Rathborn, which is interesting that we have two female writer-directors in this episode. Yep. Um, it aired on December 8th, 1990, and interestingly, it is set three days later. Yes, and they start from with the that. Day, yeah. yeah, from from the last day. Uh, so March 14th, 1989 is is the day in question. Yes. Um, it's the only time when this much time passes between episodes. Episodes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and sorry, we didn't do this, but of course I must. Uh, Bruderswitz. Bruderswitz? How, how does Google say it? Bruderswitz. Bruderswitz. No, God, that was still terrible. I can hear it, and I don't it doesn't know why change should, how I can do it. I, I don't think we should continue this. I really am encouraging you all to write in and tell him to stop. I encourage you all to write in and tell me that it's a great idea, and that my pronunciation of the German language is sublime. Moving Anyways, on. Moving on to the log lady. The log lady. Let's go to the log lady. Um, so she, this is not, not a weird one. It's actually... Well, well, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's just, it's another. She talks about complications yeah. that set in, and I think that's a meta commentary on the episode yeah. itself. Yeah. Just with um, that, nothing is simple, and that there are always these new elements being introduced to complicate things. That all complicate over again. things yeah. all over again. Yeah. And she wa- she asks what the secret to simplicity is to the pure and simple, simple. life. Yeah. And that echoes something that I think. Um, Agent Cooper goes through starting in this episode. Um, this, this, and, and something that he's been seeking for the up until this point as well. Just simplicity. He's enamored of this town that is, uh, you know, pure and simple, right? S- ostensibly, yeah. you know, on the surface, it's it's yeah. this is the kind of pastoral life that he envisions for himself um, or is in love with, and 
you know, in this episode, he goes night fishing with Major Briggs, and it's it's a very calm, peaceful thing he's seeking. Yeah. But of course, that's not how it gonna, goes. No, yeah. and and that's not how things stay, and and definitely doesn't stay like that in Twin Peaks no. very long. So, what is the secret? Are are our desires undermining I mean, us? She asks, yeah. and that's that's another thing that that comes up. Just you know. Do yeah. you have any? Do you have anything else? No, to no. I, I mean, I thought. Yeah, it was again. It was a. It was a good kind of metacritic of the show itself, right? It's talking about, um, like, wh- what is the secret? What's the core secret, and what is it doing to us? Um, yeah. No, I didn't have much more to add. Okay. Sorry. Don't apologize. I'm apologizing because <clears throat> I'm Canadian. I think. Um, so because you're Canadian, you think. You think whatever. It's not that I think I'm Canadian. That I'm apo- I think that's why I'm apologizing. Ah, uh, it was unclear it, how okay. you said that. Yeah, no, so. that's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> Again. <laughs> uh, so we start off um, actually in the forest. If I'm, I wrote that down, uh, and I it's yeah, just a it's, quick it's shot a, of the forest. It's, it's a kind of a, a road leading into the forest, yeah. and there's kind of filtered sunlight, yeah. and, and it's gloomy, but it's not. Uh, oppressive darkness like we've seen the forests be in previous episodes when Bob or the owl flies off into the forest and everything's kind of dark and scary. This is daylight. It seems, I don't know. I don't know if we're supposed to read it as being that things are lighter now. That, yeah. That, that, that well, I mean, so we open. talked about it and that's, that's really kind of, we did agree on this, that uh, that's kind of the way of re- one way of reading the opening scene, which is a very cheerful and lighthearted, thing after well, people just died. Let's 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 okay. get there because you you get this opening scene and it's not right away at the wake. It's this yeah, okay, it's this it's, scene with yeah. um with Sarah Palmer and it mirroring her scene prior to or during the period between Laura's death and her funeral where Sarah's being uh, sedated all the time. And here we have Doc Hayward attempting to sedate Sarah and her saying, no, I don't, I, I need to be there. I need to feel all of this for both of them. Yeah. Um, so we know that this is the day of Leland's, Leland's funeral. Yeah. Or his wake. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I'm sure not sure what, either. But, but yeah, everyone's at, at the, the Hayward house yeah. later on. So, but at, at the Palmer residence, uh, Cooper does try to comfort her a little bit and he goes right into this apology for Leland. Mrs. Palmer, there are things dark and heinous in this world. Things too horrible to tell our children. Your husband fell victim to one of these long ago when he was innocent and trusting. Leland did not do these things, not the Leland that you knew. But it really does, it strips Leland of all responsibility. It says, no, Leland didn't do these things. And and even Sarah, yeah, Sarah says it was that man with the long stringy hair and um so it it it's a confusing moment for me because a we know that cooper he's seen this evil and and he's seen i mean i don't know i don't understand why cooper does this i don't know i don't know why well, is he trying to just be comforting yeah, he's just comforting her he's, but he's just lying saying. to her he doesn't know for sure that Bob. He says Bob has gone away forever, and he can't know that. Yeah, he true. doesn't know that. No, I mean. So is this yeah. is this a lie? Is this um, yeah. I think kind so. of I think a, it's just a, a, a well? It, the thing the is, word, it, no, no. What's the word I'm looking for? I have no idea. I can't read your brain. I've tried. Is he trying to bestow upon Sarah 
the same kind of grace that he bestowed upon Leland in oh, the sense maybe. that he's he's yeah, just calming them as they approach a terrible moment in their lives or deaths. Right. I but suppose. it seems it seems insincere to me. I think Cooper believes he's being sincere, but it strikes me as an off moment for me, for him. Yes. I, I thought this whole scene, in fact, the first third of the episode mm-hmm. was off. Yeah. And this one especially felt like it because, yeah, yeah he's a he doesn't know that for sure. Right. Uh, B, he's not really super clear on the the liability of Leland at this point. I mean, he, he basically took what Leland said at face value. Yeah. Which is that he never controlled anything, which is understandable based on the last episode and how tearful and, and heartfelt Leland appeared to be. Um, but again, he's really reaching in, in kind of driving the audience. This this isn't really directed at, at Sarah so much as, as kind of the audience, I found. No, no, I don't even agree with that. Strike that from the record. That was a stupid thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. What I am going to say is that it's successful. He's trying How? to comfort her, and as he describes yes. the peace that came over Leland in his final moments, Sarah's face had, sure. acquires the exact same uh, level of peace. And it's, yeah, it does very much, and it's odd, we noticed this, might have just been in our case, but the audio in this whole episode was, the uh, speech was very quiet, all dialogue was very, very quiet, mm-hmm. and here especially, it was almost inaudible when he was he was telling her that you can't feel it, in, you can't understand it in your head or in your heart, but um, Leland's at peace now kind of thing. And I don't yeah. know if that was intentional or not, uh, but it, it does kind of, it just seems to like recede. I don't remember that, I don't remember that existing on other, in other formats when I okay. watched on DVD. It may or have been. streaming or anything. Yeah, it may okay. have been just an issue with, I know uh, there were issues with the Blu-ray box set. Uh, so it may be yeah, that we have be. a funny audio section but okay it, it's still i mean you can still hear it but it's it is quiet and yeah okay did you have a point about that yeah no just that, just that it was like it was basically all the agitation like it zooms in on sarah's face and just everything else washes away including even the dialogue uh-huh. it's really just focused on her internal piece so i thought it was just yeah you know, I, didn't, I didn't like the scene at all but i thought that was an interesting it right. was a good use of that technique i guess um so we end this scene with Cooper saying it would be an honor for him to drive Sarah to um, wherever, the, they're going. wherever they're going. And again, I'm I'm presuming that this is the funeral and that following the funeral there is uh, a gathering of some sort and it, it seems to be at the Hayward house. Um, and we start off with food. Yeah, there's an obscene amount of food. Yeah. And, and it's all this like mid-century gelatin... Waldorf salads, like this is the kind of stuff you see at a 1960s, you know, yeah, party, yeah, and and Which, I thought it yeah. was it it was just a it was a lot of food, but th- that's that's the thing with Twin Peaks is that <laughs> we've said this before that no, that nobody is moderate in this town, yeah. so I mean there would be and there always is at funerals I guess right there's always a plethora of food, but. But this kind of food, it doesn't look appetizing at all. I'm sorry. No, not at all. <laughs> but anyway, um, and we get ridiculous Nadine, and yeah. we get the ridiculous Milford brothers, and we get some, like, just Aiden kind of already touched on it, but this this sense of just, it's almost giddy glee that yeah. is pervading the whole atmosphere. You've got all these people gathering around, and even Agent Cooper and Sheriff Truman, who... Yeah watched Leland Palmer die in front of them. And we're the ones closest to the horrors. Like, they might yeah. be... I can kind of understand if nobody in town 
uh, was told that Leland was the killer? Well, that's that's my question is yeah. what do they know, right? Because yeah. I don't – yeah, it's not clear. I mean, it really feels like – They could have oh, told Leland he now. had a stroke and he died. They could have told, told – or they could have told everybody that Leland had a stroke and but, that's why he died. Or they could have told everybody that – what do they that, say about Laura Palmer? Because that never comes up again. So – Well, yeah, like, like do they do they mention anything yeah. about Leland's role in Laura's death? Who – I, because it's not there's, clear. there's no way that I think anybody would be that cheery at the m- funeral for a man who murdered his daughter. Like, I just don't see the whole who town was, coming who in was together and having instrumental that. instrumental in the long-term and sustained rape and incest yeah, I mean, with his if daughter. If didn't reveal well, that detail, saying, I mean, sure. I mean, we know that detail. Yeah. And, and seeing this is very, very uncomfortable because... Yeah. And and especially with like Cooper and Truman, who yeah, like I said, were were there and were present and are laughing and joking and and I thought about it this time in this latest viewing um, because of what Cooper says to Sarah in the opening scene that Bob is gone forever. Is this a kind of wishful thinking? Like they feel his presence is gone. Bob's presence is gone. Maybe Bob was casting a pall on the whole town. And with his his removal from the scene, everybody just feels lighter and feels more open to yeah. laughter and it being could be. ridiculous. Like, or I mean, that I think that's a charitable understanding because is. I don't think it makes any. I don't think this the the feel of this scene makes any sense. No, it has no no sense of continuity for no. me between the last episode. I mean, based compared to people who were still crying about Laura like two weeks after she died. Leland yeah. dies, and three days later, they're all. Happy go lucky after Especially, they reveal that he murdered his well, daughter. Did like, they? Re- yeah, no. And, and well, I think the they had to. Like the the incest and the rape and all that. They may have been able. They may have just never mentioned that to anybody. But they had to say, "Oh, well, we're dropping the case against Ben Horn. Why? Because we found out Leland killed his daughter." Like they would need to say something, or else the town would be wondering, "Well, what's going on with Leland?" Well, it, or they'd put it together and whatever. But yeah, I mean, sure. even that. So if they if they let people know, right? You've got. A, a very nice scene, I think, between Sarah Palmer, Eileen Hayward, and Audrey, Audrey. Horn. For some reason, is is in that. This Audrey, trio. for some reason, is this whole episode. Yeah. Right? Whenever it comes to Audrey, they didn't know what to do with her. <laughs> um, and they have this nice little, uh, you know, it's it's a, a nice scene of female bonding where they're talking about Laura and talking, which is interesting that they're talking about Laura at Leland's yeah. funeral, but it, it's it's interesting that Eileen who if the town has known about what happened between Leland and Laura, yeah. um, there's no horror on her face. Nothing. There's no horror on Audrey's face. They're very compassionate yeah. towards Sarah. Yeah, this this feels really more like it's a second funeral for Laura, a yeah. celebratory funeral for Laura as opposed to the depressed, angsty one that they had right. two weeks, three weeks earlier, two weeks right. earlier. Um, yeah, this feels like it is just another funeral for because nobody even mentions Leland right. in this whole scene. I don't believe that, but yeah, uh, Sarah mentions Laura. Yeah, really, and, Leland and has been wiped out of the the scene entirely at this point. It's yeah. it's really odd. It is. It's 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 a questionable decision on the part of the writers. I think I can't. You know, I've really racked my brain. We've sat with this episode now for a few days. days. Yeah. It's been three or four days since we watched it. Just trying to figure out what the hell we were going to say about it because it is just so, we just, it's inexplicable to us. So if you have any theories, we'd love to hear them. Yeah, because maybe we missed, Yeah, very likely we missed something. So by all means, Um, Um, do you want to, is there anything, I've got a couple of specific points on this scene, but there's not much 
else I really want to well, talk about. Well, yeah, Nadine being ridiculous yeah. sets up the plot that she has. She's going back to school. Yeah, she's. Which uh, has already kind of been yeah. in motion, but yeah. Um, and we have the uh, the Milford brothers, Dougie yes. and, and Dwayne Milford. And very inappropriately having yeah, a fist fight f- while trying to have a very decrepit fist, fist fight, fight at uh, because, the buffet table. Because the mayor is getting married for the fifth time or whatever. Sure. To, uh, Pete's line about... She's still in her teens. He's 110. One of those uh, January, December sort of deal. So, yeah, I mean, besides Pete's line... Um, honestly, Jacoby's return. Yeah, Jacoby's which back. Is, you know, I mean, it... it it feels like this is now a renewal, but it's not the kind of renewal that you expect after this, like no. after this kind of Yeah, and, and some things are, are still the same. Like Donna's still hung up on James. My note was, time to get some new interests in a hobby girl. Yeah. I don't know why I always say that about Donna, like a um, girl, but that's my thing. Um, yeah, Major Briggs is there, and every, yeah, everyone's just kind of smiling. Um, I found, so I know you like this uh, tidbit about Cooper, but he says aces. Yeah. And this is the first instance of this, and that's why that felt so out of character for me. Like, Really? Yeah, I mean, I, Cooper's always upbeat and positive, and he'd give a thumbs up or say, great, or something like that. But aces is just, it's like they were trying to introduce a catchphrase for the character. Well, I don't, I don't think it's its a necessarily a catchphrase. It's more of a, it, it feels like it's the kind of, you know, exclamatory, you know, thing that a guy who's stuck in the mid-50s would say, aces. Right? Yeah, I didn't do that for me at all. No? I was well, just like, uh, ah, yeah. that, like, that was an endemic of the whole scene for me, was that Cooper was saying aces. Was just like, okay, this scene, there's, that's a summary of what's wrong with it. Jump the shark? That. Yes, yes. Aces is when... It wasn't when Nadine sh- asked if boys were looking up her skirt through her mirror shoes. It yeah, was- well, that was odd too, but Nadine's already weird. I, it just And Cooper's already positive. I'll admit it, but for some reason that one just like tweaks something. I mean, like, well, yeah, it, no, it's I'm just, done with the scene. It's just that everything is very, um, it's blown up and yeah. extra. It's overly, it's, yeah. it's, you know, all the emotions and they're all positive emotions, yeah. right? So it's, it's notable for that. Yeah. And then, yeah, that was it. Yeah. We, we jump immediately to, uh, the high school, yeah. Nadine enrolling in high school, which is a and subplot that goes, really doesn't go anywhere. Well, no, it does. But it doesn't have any, any, like, deeper oh, yeah, yeah, no. purpose or well, okay, meaning. Okay, yeah, it is one of those plots that just happens. Yeah. That has nothing to do with anything else. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this scene also is completely useless. Like, it's literally just, Ed's talking to the principal and says, oh, well, we gotta let her in. The principal says, you want to let a 35-year-old woman join the senior class? Jacoby is there for some reason, but, but isn't offering any help or yeah, advice. Yeah, psychological reasoning behind it or anything. It's and literally just... Nadine shows up at one point to say that there's cheerleading tryouts that day. And, and that's it. That's, that's the whole scene. literally the whole scene. It's, Not, it's, yeah. a, it's a strange way of, of... Getting that plot moving. You can well, just have her show up at cheerleading tryouts, filling out a form. I don't know. This is the writer of me trying to fix it. Let's just not do that. Um, so then we go back to the Great Northern and yes. Cooper. Yeah, Cooper's packing to leave, and he's meticulously folding his boxer shorts, which vary in character, yes, I yes. think. Yes, that one was in character. Sure. Um, and Audrey knocks on the door, and she's uh, in a business suit now and taking over some kind of role within the hotel, I guess. 
possibly taking over for her father who yeah we see later on is, is not in great shape yeah, yeah. or uh, I don't know I, I really do think Aiden's comment from earlier is is apropos like they really didn't know what to do with Audrey here so well and it's odd because this felt like a very necessary scene to wrap up yes. their love plot their yeah. their romantic plot um but the way, but it the was way done, it's done is just very awkward. And yeah, because she shows up and she's uh, claims to be from guest relation. She asks how his stay was, and, and I have up. a feeling that you know being shot in the hotel would probably rank fairly highly on my list of things. Yeah. You know, I, if I were you know TripAdvisor, I'd put that in the review. Yeah. But anyway, shot. Um, <laughs> one star. One star. Yeah, two and a half. Um, but anyway. Uh, so yeah, she but well, she has it's it's a it's a it's a ploy for her to say So this is it, you save my life then break my heart. Which, which yeah. is is it's, kind of it's, it's it's on the nose. It's, it's a little too it's on the nose. A little too on the yeah. nose. It's just like mm, really that's what she would say? She wouldn't play coy or do anything about that. And then yeah. at the end too, she says Yeah, there's only one problem with you. You're perfect. Also, way too much on the nose. I mean, yeah. granted, she probably does feel that way about him, but it does. It it it's stuff like that that really um, seems like the writers were trying to backtrack from Audrey being uh, a young kind a of young woman, woman to yeah. being a, a little girl because those are the kinds of yeah. questions that a little girl would say, and even the way that she says. Well, let me tell you something, Agent Cooper. One of these days, before you know it, I'm going to be grown up and on my own. You better watch out. The way that line is delivered even seems much younger than... I mean, Sherilyn Fenn was 25 at the time, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's a weird thing to see her play so young. Um, but in the meantime, it, it you're right. It is a necessary scene because it does set up uh, some of Cooper's backstory. Yes. Um, you get... Yeah, the story of him and Wyndham are all and the woman that they were trying to protect from uh, someone who was out to murder her, and And Cooper Cooper fell in love love with her, her. and And then she was killed because he let his guard down. He feels, Um, and but and and he kind of explains this to Audrey as a reason for why he wouldn't get into another relationship. And then, spoiler alert, he gets in another relationship in ten episodes. Like this really bothers me because it's it's literally ten days later, and he falls for a woman. Right away. And yeah. this is, like, so clear as to why he wouldn't. But I have... There are reasons why that might I know. be, so I know. let's we'll, just... We'll deal with that then. But yeah. I just... Yeah. This bite me. Um, Bit me. So, um, the other thing about Audrey's character that bothers me in this scene is that she immediately assumes that um, because he won't pursue a relationship with her, someone must have hurt him in the past. And it's just, again, it's such a naive thing for her to say. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that, but it's true. And and I mean, yes, Audrey has always been naive and has always been kind of sheltered, but she handled it so differently. Yeah. And I feel like this was just, it was, it's the first time when her character becomes inconsistent with what we've seen prior and where I start to not dislike Audrey, but um, she ceases to have much interest for me as a character. Yeah, so. that's it. Um, Do you go to the Johnson? Residence? Yeah, we, we head over to the Johnsons and, and we is, yeah. get a funny scene with uh, Bobby wearing Leo's suit and trying it on with the mirror perched on Leo's lap. Um, 
because Bobby's got this great business opportunity with uh, Ben Horn that apparently, I don't know what he thinks he's going to, well, he's, well, he he's blackmailing, blackmailing Ben yeah. Horn. He thinks this is going to work. Yeah. And Shelly is just up to her eyeball. She is so done with all of this. Yeah. And, and Bobby's just trying the same old moves. That's what I yeah. find interesting. He's like, oh, I'll just steal, I'll make her happy with the kiss. And she's yeah. just like, no. Yeah, this, this is, is not, not working. Like, yeah. I want to get out of the house. I want to hire a sitter. I want to get, you know, I'll do anything to get away from this, you know, invalid that I've been saddled with. And it's kind of, it's it's a depressing scene because, you know, Shelley, who we already knew was trapped in a, in a terrible marriage before, is now trapped in that same terrible marriage. And there's literally no way for her to escape. And well, it's I not don't just know the marriage she, anymore. Even, yeah, yeah, it's it's this whole plot with the with the insurance money and everything that, I mean, get some yeah yeah she needs some chutzpah yeah. there, girl. Like seriously, stick up just for herself a bit more. stand up to Bobby. Tell him that you're going to put Leo in a home and have done with it. Like yeah. this guy is clearly not does not have your best interests at heart. No. Um, yeah, that's but it. But Ben, or sorry, Bobby leaves to go. Yeah, he's going to go to see Ben, and, which we pick up later. Yeah. Uh, so then Catherine shows up at the sheriff's department. Yes, which I thought was fun because we already knew for a couple of episodes that yeah. Catherine was back, but she hasn't revealed herself to anybody but Pete yeah. and Ben. Um, yeah. But now we get Sheriff Truman's reaction to yeah, Catherine's it's reappearance. A, it's a great line. Just a, Forgive my saying so, Catherine. But are you dead? Um, and then from there, he welcomes her back pretty quickly. He just has, you know, he's smiling and happy. It's, again, this very joyous kind of feeling. Because especially since... Josie seems to have left town in a, in a big hurry and was yeah. so afraid of Catherine up until she yeah. disappeared or, or died, they yeah. thought. So you'd think that Truman would, would want to question her a little bit more or yeah. find out more about what happened. He kind of takes it at face value. Yeah, like, well, he does. Story. Yeah, And, and I mean, she does have a pretty fantastical story, yes, right? Yes, yes. She talks about how there was an angel who helped her escape the fire and she ran through the woods and the angel guided her to her old cabin where right. she had tuna. Cans and she tuna survived on cans, cans of, of tuna, tuna fish. And it's at Pearl Lakes, which is the same one that uh, uh, Leland's old grandparents' cabin was at as well. But I thought something that was interesting that I, I, I guess I just never really listened to this scene um, in previous watches. <laughs> but she mentions getting to a clearing and there is a stone yes. uh, a stone formation. And uh, slight spoilers, um, this is sounds a lot like the Glastonbury Grove that we go to in the finale of the season. Yeah. Um, which is where the doors to the Black Lodge are. Yes. So it it made me wonder if there was some kind of lodge spirit or lodge entity that was guiding Catherine to her safety. Because mm-hmm. I do believe that she escaped the fire and probably did wander through the woods yeah, for a while for a couple clear. of days. Yeah. I mean, um, she was gone for a couple episodes, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, she she survived somehow, and I, I do believe that she was frightened. I don't think that this is necessarily put on. So if it is sincere, it, it makes me wonder what connection Catherine might have. Yeah. Well, no, and she, yeah, she talks about, yeah, yeah, when she describes the the grove and everything, it reminded me actually of Major Briggs' experience, which comes at the end of the, mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. Um, and, and the account he gives afterwards. Right. Um, is kind of similar. How is there's a, a white light? And... Still in the sheriff's department, we get uh, Dick and Lucy. Uh, yep. Lucy up on a ladder, even though she's pregnant. And was well, like, why are these guys not helping her on the ladder? Well, that's, that's the real question. But yeah, and Dick Tremaine walks in and, and kind of climbs the ladder on the other side and yeah. starts harassing As she's, her. she's changing light bulbs is, yeah, is yeah. the context for the yeah. scene. And it's hilarious because he's talking about joining the Happy Helping Hands, which sounds like a Big Brother big organization. Thing, yeah. 
Um, meanwhile, Lucy is juggling these giant fluorescent bulbs, and he does not offer a helping hand at all. So very funny irony. Um, and kind of a ridiculous situation uh, once Andy shows up and, and climbs, climbs the ladder the beside Lucy. So now Lucy is surrounded by both of her suitors, neither one of which is helping her with the task at hand, yeah. both of whom are... Uh, insinuating themselves into her life in a way that I'm sure she probably doesn't want. Well, I don't know. She seems really into Andy. So this whole love triangle thing never works for me because yeah. she's obviously her and Very Andy are, are supposed to be together. And, yeah. and she wants and Dick to be is so asinine. Yeah. But they had to fill the plot yeah. line somehow. So now we get this big brother, this role. bromance that's going to grow between Andy and <sighs> Dick, Tremaine. Dick Tremaine. So. That's yeah. where that's going. But And then at the end, it's kind of a terrible scene. Like, Hawk is waiting around the corner, and yeah. he's like, what are you doing, Andy? Why didn't you? Like well, they, giving yeah. him a, a pep talk, yeah. almost. And then Andy says, well, I know how to get to Lucy. It's it's morals and manly actions or something yeah. like that. And it's like, okay, we knew that as an audience. You didn't need to explain yeah, it to Yeah, you everybody. didn't need to spell it and out. And Hawk just... obviously would know that, too. He knows Lucy. So... It was just It's just yeah. a sign that they didn't know what to do with these characters anymore. Or it's... fill the 45 minutes or 43 yeah. minutes or whatever. Okay. Again, still in the sheriff's station, we yep. get a, kind of a nice scene between yeah, Cooper and Truman because is Cooper is leaving. He is on his way out of town. He's going to go fishing first. Yeah, so. well, yeah, he's got one more day in town, but but he's he's on his way out. He, his job is done. The murders have been solved. He's tidied his room, and he's heading back to Philadelphia. Yep. And, uh, and Truman, in the only way that Sheriff Truman can say goodbye, offers him a green butt skunk. What is that a green butt skunk, you ask? It is. Well, I don't know what it is. I think it's a fishing lure. It's a fishing lure, but it's, it's, it's a type it's of a, a, a bug type of bug or or something that would attract the salmon and yes. get their minds off of sex. Yes. Um, long enough for them to be caught, and yeah. and uh, so and of course Cooper is just totally yeah. enthralled yeah, by this. He pins it to his lapel. It's yeah. very cute. Um, but what really uh, sets his emotional heart of this of this scene is when uh, Truman presents um, the Bookhouse Boys badge. Yes, say to you're Cooper. not an official member, basically, because he was he was an honorary one for a couple of weeks there, and now he's he's an official Bookhouse Boy. So, um, yeah, and Cooper he, loves that. He yeah, just, he's, he almost throughout. looks like he's gonna cry. Yeah. And there's you know it's it's kind of a you know, I wish that there were scenes like this between the women in the show because it's this fraternal organization that is always going to be there for each other. And Yeah. Um, yeah, the women don't support each other. <laughs> not really. Well, they don't not even really. see each other. Yeah, exactly. So, Except for uh, Norma and Shelley. Yeah. Norma and Shelley are, are a good pair, for sure. I have one little note that I put in here just because... Uh, no, never mind. It's fine. Just kiss already? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. 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 Sorry, no, we'll I could, Yeah. No, no. That was, that was good. I think we should keep that in there. No, because yep. it's too awkward. It doesn't make any sense now with all the other talking that's going on. What are you talking on, about? So. Just kiss already to Cooper and Truman. Just kiss already. So, Sheriff... There's a big thing for on the internet between the two of them. They're, they're, they're one true pairing for a lot of fans, I think. Who's it? But the only one more popular is Truman and... Oh, I think it's Albert and... Albert and Truman. That's right. No, I think it's Albert and Cooper. I think really? it's, it's, it's the, the trio of the three oh, of them. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. It's a good little... That's a good love triangle. I'd ship it. I don't think it's a love triangle. I think it's a menage a trois. I think it's Oh, okay. That can work, too. Uh, yeah. Sure. 
whatever. Mutual thing. Yeah. So, yeah, they step outside then. Yeah, Cooper's saying goodbye, all the deputies. attention. With yes, they board. all line up, and he gives a little goodbye parting words to each of the main members. I'm sure there are other members of yeah. the, the sheriff's staff. that We've seen them, yeah. but they're not there. No. Um, he, he says to Hawk that he hopes if he's ever missing that Hawk is the one that they send to find him, and Hawk delivers an Irish blessing. May the wind always be at your back. Which I think is hilarious. Uh, He talks to Andy about how his bravery is exceeded only by his heart. And then gives Lucy, uh, tells her that he hopes to be invited to the wedding, whoever the suitor may be, with a little side wink at Andy. It's, It's a nice little scene, this goodbye. But you know it's not, this can't be the end. And of course it isn't when... uh, the RCMP arrive. Yeah, well, yeah. In full regalia. <laughs> Red surge, top yeah. to bottom. Yeah. But, With an FBI agent. But like oh, sorry. the dime store, like yeah. uh, Halloween costume yeah. knockoff version yeah. of an RCMP yeah. official. Uniform. I don't think they were even wearing anything that red in the 90s. Like, honestly, I think they'd No, they still do, but it's all ceremonial. Yeah, like, yeah, they would yeah, never yeah. wear this yeah, on, yeah. on official well, business. That's what I'm saying. And he's, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah and they but come yes, in. Yeah, Roger is the guy from. Roger. Internal affairs. Oh. So he knows Cooper. Cooper knows him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Roger informs Cooper that he has, without pay, effective immediately, suspended from the FBI. Yeah. And that's kind of the end of the scene. Um, but then pick up right after commercial. And they, they, it's back to the same scene, actually. Uh, they're talking about what's going on. And Cooper just kind of, he's very much, he seems okay with it. He's like, yes, this is, he could kind of expect it, I think. Yeah. That he was going to get suspended. But basically the FBI... Uh, Roger lays it out for him. And it's kind of funny because Harry doesn't seem to know all the legal terms that yes. they're thrown out there. The one that, that sticks out is misfeasance, is, yes. is what it, Ch- Cooper is officially being charged with. Yeah. But there are all these other sub like uh, charges of... Um, well, it's basically everything to do with his crossing over to see, into one of Jack's twice. Yeah. And everything that happened in those two visits. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Cooper really, he's sitting in the middle and it's an interesting shot the way that, mm-hmm. the, the way that it is shot. It's almost like Cooper has these, you know, good and bad angel on on his shoulder because he's sitting at the, I think it's Truman's desk, but he's on the other side of the desk, like the the, the guest guest chair. Truman is on Cooper's right and Roger's on Cooper's left and they're kind of arguing across the table and Cooper, at one point it almost looks like he does look directly in the camera, but he's he's very stoic and like accepting of whatever is going to be handed down to him. Yeah. well, it's Which we just, got yeah. we got hints of that in the episode right after they rescued Audrey that he realizes that he's that gone he, outside the law. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah, you're, you're right. He kind of expected that this was going to come. Yeah. Um. So then from there, uh, we go to uh, the Great Northern again, yes. where Bobby is waiting to see Ben. Mm-hmm. Um. And he's just being kind of a jerk. He's freaking out and yelling at the secretary who's like, "Oh, well, you didn't have an appointment." Blah blah blah. Um, and then Audrey walks in. Yeah. Carrying a basket of, of toiletries or no, it's something. like tea towels or yeah. something. Yeah. It's like she's, it's I like mean, overnight she's, beca- well, in the last three nights, I guess, yeah. she's become the runner of the, yeah. the hotel. It's, and it's not clear at all. Um, There's a little flirtation between Bobby and Audrey yeah. that, that picks up here, which comes kind of out of left field. They're, they've not had any interaction up until this point. So it it really is very much unexpected, and um, but he wants to see her father. He's been denied access. Audrey kind of 
winks at him meals, and, yeah. and goes in meal. and gets Bobby the meeting. But obviously, uh, either Bobby doesn't impress Ben or Ben is just not in his right mind. And we see that because Ben is wearing his pajamas yeah, yeah. in his office. And we've he's never seen, yeah. Misshaven and everything now. He hasn't, yeah, he hasn't shaved. He's kind of disheveled. And uh, we've never seen him like this. So maybe he is, this is the start of him not being in his right mind. Um, he kicks Bobby, Bobby out. out. And, with uh, some hired muscle, who's new. Yeah. Seemed much more competent than Hank, I have to say. Yes. Um, and Audrey swoops in again to yeah. the rescue, and, and Bobby says, well, that's twice you saved my skin. You're, you know, and they have, again, this other flirtation that, that literally Came out makes, of nowhere, yeah. and I don't think it goes anywhere. I mean, they become kind of friends. This, yeah. this The three of them form the story around Ben. Or, sorry, the two of them form a story around Ben. Yeah, in, in the, the coming episodes. episodes but, but it doesn't, no, I mean, obviously it doesn't lead anywhere romantic, but it's it does seem like they, and the words that they're giving them to speak are yeah. not, like maybe Bobby's are a little bit in character, but Audrey's seem not, very no. much not in character no, for her. Exactly. For example, how about an ice cream? Cup or cone? I like to lick. So that happens. Uh, I have a I have a note in here that I'm like, what is this scene even about? Yeah, Which no, really... nothing. A nothing happened with it except for Audrey and Bobby became friends apparently, and that's it. Yeah, and and then you add in why are they becoming friends? Why why it doesn't seem natural for them to be at mm-hmm. all. Audrey's dialogue is especially bad. This scene really did not need to exist. Yeah, um, it was filler. It was filler. I mean, if this episode. Maybe we'll revisit like it. We'll revisit it in later episodes when when things do start to pick up. But for right now, it really feels it felt very not odd. yeah not right. Um, back in the conference room, yeah, we get at the sheriff station. We get um, Cooper being reamed out by uh, Mountie King, yeah, and, and Roger. Roger who say that there were there was the border crossing, which sh- he should have notified Canadian authorities that he was coming across the border. There were three killings up mm-hmm. at the brothel, uh, Blackie, uh, Emery Battis, which Cooper didn't know about, and the guard, the guard that Hawk. Hawk killed yeah. um, in self-defense. And then there's a, a third charge of drug trafficking because we find out that the RCMP had been working on a sting of Jean Renault for many, many months, and they were closing in on him and the drugs, the cocaine that they were expecting to find or that were the center of their investigation have gone missing. And they suspect Agent Cooper of having brought them back to Twin Peaks, yeah. which is ludicrous. All of these, yes, he says, I admit to the border crossing. I knew about two of the killings. I didn't know about the third one. And you should know me better. I would not be involved in drug trafficking of any kind. Yeah, but they basically say the DA, DEA drug enforcement agency is now going to be involved and yes. investigate you on that charge specifically. Yeah. Um, and he has to give yeah. up his badge and gun, yes. which is uh, kind of a heartbreaking moment for, because I think yeah. this is his identity has been so tied up in being the, being, FBI, agent, being yeah. the FBI agent that giving over, maybe not his gun so much, but the badge definitely yeah. would hurt. Yep. And you see that on his face when he yep. when he drops it on the table. And then when Sheriff Truman comes in and sees that the gun and badger on the table, he knows what's up. Yeah. And they give the little bookhouse boys. Yes, they is, do. Yeah. A little lame. Yeah, but anyway. Lame, but. Uh, but Truman immediately jumps to his defense and won't back down. He says that. Well, he's not going to even make a statement because yeah. the FBI would require a 
Oh, yeah, something in the RCMP requires something else. Extradition papers yeah, and to get him to talk. So yeah, he, says, so he says, well, shove it. Yeah, basically. Can, yeah. What's his line? Uh, you can help yourself to coffee on, on the no way, way out. out. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Which is good. So yeah, yeah, Cooper's in trouble, but but the town is, or at least the sheriff's department is rallying around him, as you would expect they would. Yeah, exactly. So then we get another useless scene. Nadine yeah. at cheerleading practice. Yeah, the high school tryouts. Fifty foot tumble in perfect. Uh, Perfect form. Perfect form. And then and she then, uh, tosses a dude 50 yards. Are you yeah. getting these measurements yeah, from someone? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And the IMDb page? Y- nope, made him up. But <laughs> uh, And he lands in a volleyball net for reasons. And that's it. That's the whole scene. There's nothing more to add. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Shelly's brushing Leo's teeth, teeth in the yes. next scene. And she's been left all alone all day. Bobby has not called her, probably because he's out having ice cream with Audrey. Um... <laughs> And he finally does call, and Shelley is, of course, yeah, naturally pissed, yeah. quite pissed off. And uh, But we do get to see, uh, it's an interesting shot because it's quite low, and we get uh, Leo's wheelchair comes into the frame independent of Shelley. He's yeah, moving so he's the wheelchair. Himself. And we've, we've seen him move, or yeah, we like think we've seen him move. Yeah. Um, but this is the first time that it's that it's dramatic movement, and Shelley notices it and tells Bobby on the phone, "Oh, Bobby, he moved." So, uh, setting something up there. Yes. Well, there's very scary music playing. Mm-hmm. So yes, they're absolutely setting that up. <laughs> oh, then, so then we go to the double R. Yes, and this is actually quite a sad scene yeah. as well. So poor Norma. I love Norma. Basically, her mom is there, and she's Norma's complaining about the terrible review she received from M.T. Wentz. Um, basically saying that the diner was crap. <laughs> and then it's revealed that who's Wentz? Well, it's Norma's mom, of course, who is a terrible human being. Vivian says that she wanted to give a good review, but this is just not a good restaurant yeah. at the Double R, which I can't believe because I trust Cooper's taste more than some stupid food critic. And that pie is damn good. Uh, and Norma really tries. She's, she's like, well, how about, do you have any, uh, well, she talks decency about, and kindness. Yeah. In she, your... she says that, um, Vivian says that she can't, uh, she has ethics and she has yeah. to uphold her moral standard as a journalist, as like a journalist. her integrity. And, and Norma does not, it does not compute. Like I'm your daughter. She says, yeah, you, like, yeah, yeah. What like, about more like decency and kindness? kindness? And it's, you can tell that this is obviously not the first time that, that Norma's mom has, Shut her, shut her down, um, but it's probably really the last way. time. So yeah, because well, Norma, Norma kicks, kicks her out. out. Yeah, it just says, and I, I love the way she does this. Mm-hmm. I think this is probably just all the actress, but her she doesn't raise her voice. Mm-mm. She she lets all the anger in there just just seep in. Yeah, and it's it's you can it's really not even feel anger, that. It's, it's disappointment yes, and very and, deep hurt. Yes, right. Yes, exactly. Um, it's soft and quiet, but you know, really, really strong too. Um, and it's almost like yes kick this bitch out, and then you know what? Go on and fucking kick Hank out. Yeah. And then the very next scene, we get reason for why she might want to kick him out, which right. is Hank and Ernie yes. have gone up to One-Eyed Jack. So Ernie, you remember, is Vivian's husband, uh, who knows... Former thief and... Yeah, knows Hank from from the joint. And, uh, yeah, they're up at One-Eyed Jack's. Ostensibly, they were on a hunting trip. They're on full camo regalia. Um, but they've got a couple of... Uh, one eye Jack's girls on their arms, yeah. and uh, and then they they meet with Jean Reno, and it's interesting to me because we talked about this in, in the previous a previous episode where when Jean Reno encountered Hank outside One Eye Jack's the night that Audrey was rescued, and he sees um, Daryl Lodwick's yeah. ID card. It seems like that was the in that Hank needed to get to be on Jean's side. So 
so Hank is now not working for Ben. He's working for Jean. Jean. He's Jean's muscle um, or business partner or something. something. Um, and he's recruiting Ernie to be uh, with because of his yeah because of yeah. his connections with uh, what Ernie calls he says the Colombians and the Bolivians or something. He's got connections in in the drug world, um, which is what. Jean needs yeah. to distribute his cocaine. Yeah, because he used to have his brothers doing it and Leo and yeah. everybody. Now, now he needs a new network and yeah. this is what... So Hank but, is out of jail for two weeks. He's already back in it. And Ernie like the it, is, yeah. uh, is right alongside. Well, and that's one thing is like Ernie, it seems like he's similar to Hank in that he really does want to try and avoid it. But I think he wants it way pressure. more than Hank does. Yes. I, I don't know because I feel like Hank wants to live a double life, and he's doing that very well up mm-hmm. to this point. Ernie wants to live on the straight and narrow, but at the slightest pressure. Yeah. At the, like, if there was someone just came up and said, hey, you want to bet 50 bucks that I'll flip heads or, co- heads or tails on this thing? Yeah. He'd take that bet because well, he's just such a compulsive I, gambler. Exactly. That's the thing is that he, he tries. He says yeah, when John he says, wants to, yeah. we, we're going to go gamble now. Yeah, he's and like, no, he's I don't want to. Yeah, I don't, I don't do gamble. Anymore. And, and John's like, like, but everybody and gambles. gambles and he gives in just like that. And it's really kind of sad because I feel like Ernie really does, he feels like he's got a good life uh, with Vivian and he wants to pursue it, but he's just such a weak-ass bastard, really. One other thing that bothered me in this scene, actually nothing else bothered me in this, it was just uh, Jean Renault lays out the need for $125,000. Yeah. Which was the amount that uh, he was going to get from Audrey's uh, ransom. Audrey's ransom, which he didn't. But I don't get why he needs $125,000. Like, that money was just for ransom. It's not like... I, I didn't... Like, he basically says... He asked Ernie, like, do you understand? Ernie says, I understand completely. But I, as a viewer, didn't understand what the <laughs> hell was going on and why uh, Jean Renault was pushing for that exact same sum of money. I guess maybe he leveraged it or something out. or Could be. Or something like that. Do and, you have viewers? Yeah, I maybe mean, somebody would know. Listeners. <laughs> I keep calling you viewers. Yeah, well, they're looking uh, at something probably. Uh, yeah, if you have any uh, tidbits or information, I'd yes. love to hear. And then also Jean, uh, Jean. Jean. Thank you. Jean. I was just reading it. Sorry. Uh, he really still wants to get Cooper. That's yeah. The thing. So he's going to, he's, part of the drug deal is that he's going to plant stuff on Cooper to get and him. And how does he do this? Mounty King is one of his oh, henchmen. Yeah. I forgot. He was walked in with yeah. him. Yeah. So I thought this was, uh, for a show that's been such a slow burn for so many episodes, to have a brand new character introduced, you know, 15 minutes earlier in the episode as an RCMP officer interrogating Agent Cooper in Twin Peaks, all of a sudden to have him up at One-Eyed Jack's uh, in a tux. Yeah, exposed as a yeah. bad guy so soon. It, yeah. yeah, within 15, 20 minutes seemed a little bit Because there's no reason again. he needed to be there. Like literally, yeah. No, but yeah, it, it just seemed convenient that they, they, this was the plot they were setting up and they were going to do it quickly and there was no nuance to it. There no, was no subtlety. No. It was just very much on the nose yeah. um, in a lot of ways. So yeah, yeah so okay. we get a uh, second last scene, uh, Sheriff Truman sleeping, sleeping in his... Uh, Where does he live? I don't know. It looks like a cabin, yeah, he's though, got a cabin. It? I feel like he's a cabin man. I yeah. absolutely buy that. Yeah. That is my headcanon. I have accepted it. Yep. Um, he wears an adorable one-piece red pajama getup, oh, I didn't which notice what he was I wearing. thought was really cute too. Is it like one, like a wrestling uniform kind of thing? No, it's like full arms and everything, like the but kind that would have piece. a butt, butt flap, flap, I think. Yeah. 
But it's all very dark, right? Yeah. He, he hears something outside his window, yeah, so he grabs his gun yeah. and goes to the door and opens the door and Josie tumbles in. Um, and this, much uh, the worse for wear. And, uh, and they just start making out. It's so weird. Like, she's she might need medical attention. Like, she literally collapsed yes. into your arms. And she's been outside, obviously, for a while yeah. and walking around outdoors at night. And you just start, like... And you have no idea where she's come from or what's yeah, happened to her really or, anything. or anything. They don't really Not, no. He just <sighs> falls to the floor and they start making out. And it's, it's a very... Uh, yeah, it's an odd choice to have that be... It goes along with what um, we said previously about Sheriff Truman um, and this compulsive need to protect, protect and save and her. Save yeah. her. Um, and I think using sex or uh, the comfort of the of his body is yeah, the I feel way like that he he's does really, that. Yeah, it's almost like that's what turns him on. Like it's a chance yeah. to be protective. So when she comes in all disheveled, he's like, oh, yeah. Gotta get going on this, like. <laughs> well, maybe it's not so so overt, but. No, but it, like it really doesn't make any sense. Like he doesn't even like ask her, "Are you okay?" Yeah, Do you or need call the, the an ambulance, ambulance or, or a doctor or, or take something. her, offer to take her to yeah. the doctor. No, Nothing. no words are spoken. Literally, just, it's just just, just yeah. tongues. Tongues are spoken. <laughs> so presumably, at the mm-hmm. at the same time or around the same time that that this happens, um, we get Cooper and Major Briggs out in the woods, yeah. and they are. Having a fire, roasting some marshmallows, and talking, talking about, about Bob. Talking about Bob, and, and uh, if he exists or not. And, and and Cooper says something interesting about Major. I find myself thinking a lot about Bob. If he truly exists, I've pondered that same question continuously since horror was revealed. I try to imagine him out there incarnate. Looking for another victim to inhabit. This is the first true statement that he's said about Bob all episode. Yeah. You know, where previously he was so certain that Bob was gone forever. Now he's coming back and his true fears are, are being um, kind of coming to the fore, I think. Yeah. That that Bob actually still might be out there and, and might still be a threat. And Major Briggs uh, uses this opportunity to expound upon... Um, some of the spiritual things that you get the sense that this is what underpins his character. There are powerful forces of evil. It is some men's fate to face great darkness. We each choose how to react. The choice is fear, and we become vulnerable to darkness. There are ways to resist. You, sir, were blessed with certain gifts. In this respect, you're not alone. Um, and he talks about the White Lodge. Have you ever heard of the White Lodge? The White Lodge? No, I don't believe I have. Before he can get into anything deeper, yeah. Cooper has to pee. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets up to relieve himself. Yeah, well, uh, something... Well, okay, first of all, in between that, there's a brief shot of something kind of going through the forest and sure. scurrying through it. And then Cooper says, oh, I've got a ten of pee. He says, there's nothing quite like urinating in the open air. Right. Which is a great line. Um, and yeah, so Cooper goes to the tree, uh, and then there's owls hooting 
over both of them. They both kind of look up mm-hmm. at, at the owls. Well, I thought it was the same owl, but... It might have been, but it sounded... Like, they both kind of looked just kind of up and around. Um, and it was the same volume for each of them, and it seems like Cooper's moved off at a fair distance. It doesn't matter. Uh, then, all of a sudden, there's a flash of white light, and a figure that, to me, looked an awful lot like Margaret Lanterman, the log lady, silhouetted with a light behind her, standing mm-hmm. in the edge of the, the clearing where mm-hmm. they've camped. Um, and uh, Briggs calls out for Cooper. Cooper kind of rushes back, sees the light, but sees that Briggs is nowhere to be found, and then the light kind of dies, right. and Cooper's just left there looking and having no idea what's going on. I think that this figure is a hooded figure. I don't think it's mm. Margaret Lanterman, obviously. No, obviously, but it, it just reminded me It reminded me, me of the character or the figure that we saw in the woods in the second yes. or third episode. Yes, um, with Bobby when and Bobby and Leo. Mike and Leo are in the woods. Yeah. Um, the, the figure hiding behind the tree, which yeah. we thought maybe could have been Ben Horn, but um, yeah, this, makes, this it, makes it seem like there, that there are some kind of people or creatures that dwell in the woods that wear hoods and are involved with mysterious disappearances. Yeah. Um, but Leo didn't seem concerned about it in this. I mean, I know they've moved a lot. The mythology has transformed a lot in this. Well, this is the first time that the mythology is really brought up to the fore. And and I wanted to talk about that just really briefly because it is interesting to me that um, uh, where these ideas come from and the lodges themselves whether or not they were um, deliberately inserted or whether this was something, you know, kind of archetypal that or, or subconscious that David Lynch or Mark Frost had thought up. I think this was mostly Mark Frost. Yeah. Um, his interest in theosophy and, and kind of this more philosophical um, yeah, spirituality. spirituality as yeah. opposed to David Lynch's much more, you know, he's into Tibetan um, yeah. transcendental meditation, meditation yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, so this seems much more occult, and I think that's that's very much Mark Frost's wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. But um, there was a, a a book called The Devil's Guard that was written by Talbot Mundy um, in I think the 1920s, mid 1920s, where the white and black lodges were explicitly mentioned as being these two places that were battling it out for um, supremacy over. The domain of man, kind of right? Thing. Yeah, and uh, and it's it's. I mean, obviously, this is it. It's very unclear. You can't say with any certainty that Mark Frost or David Lynch um, were influenced by this. In fact, I think Mark Frost may have said that the lodges came to him from another source. But um, but the idea that uh, theosophy plays into this as well, and there's um, there are other podcasts and other blogs and other places where yeah, you can read up about detail, theosophy. Yeah. Our experience with theosophy is very much limited by um, the uh, art history courses we took, where we discussed theosophy in relation to the group of seven and which Lauren is a group Harris, of Canadian painters. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, we could talk about Arthur Lismer and Lauren Harris and uh, theosophy, theosophy yeah, the in the that. the group of seven and the Arts and Letters Club for eons but we won't because that's not what the focus of this podcast is um but it's it's just interesting to note that that these are ideas and 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 that doug puzz come from that book the devil's guard as well and, and we talk about doug puzz a little bit later when windham Earl is introduced um so these are these are ideas that have a fairly concrete 
basis outside of Twin Peaks and they're being brought into the mythology of this show um, in kind of loose ways that are never really quite, uh, they're not expounded upon or they don't, they don't lead anywhere concrete. Well, they, I mean, they, they kind of do. I mean, the Black and the White Lodges sure, form but a very particular part of the Twin Peaks mythology. Yes, but they're not like... Um, it's not like they took the white and black lodges from this book and turned them turned them into something on the screen. Like it's it's a it's it's the mythology kind of, kind of becomes. Okay, you read the Devil's Garden. You know what no, that is. No, no, I'm just saying they they turned it into something that's very unique to the show. Is what I'm getting at is that there's there's. I don't think so. It sounds like the white and black lodges were vying for the welfare of man, just like they are in the show where. If you're good, you go to the White Lodge, and if you're bad, you go to the Black Lodge. It seems like it's a fairly simple... I'm sorry, I just... Okay, you're right. You know more than anything No, I'm... Okay. So, I, I'm i not sure... I don't think that, that these were ideas that were brought in on purpose in order to elicit some kind of connection between this and, um, and this novel by any stretch of the imagination. I think it was just happenstance that you had... Um, uh, some kind of possibly subconscious remembrance from Mark Frost or one of the other writers that uh, that introduced these ideas into the show. And then the show kind of... And David Lynch, especially in the final episodes, this is not his idea. These were not what he... Um, I don't think he intended for these things to happen, but he weaves them into the mythology of Twin Peaks in a way that makes them wholly unique to the show. And and with his own visual style, and we see that in the finale. I think that's that's my point. Is is that um, it's not like this is a ripoff of of no. somebody else's. Uh, book or ideas it's it's yeah, borrowing created from, them in, yeah turn them into their own yeah unique thing yeah, yeah sure. which which work for the show very well um but without being explored in any kind of concrete sense because we don't really get well, much like every yeah, time yeah. these it's these ideas are brought up yeah. i mean major briggs is interrupted here um the conversation comes up again in uh, one of the next episodes with hawk talking about the black lodge um so the ideas are planted, but nothing is really explored in any detail. And I think that's part of the thing is, is all these, these characters seeking knowledge and, and seeking um, this, this grander uh, understanding of the world and their place within it. But they're, all, uh, they're all, all only getting pieces, little pieces of the information, little pieces of the grand puzzle. And that may be part of how we can explain the ending of, of yeah well yeah no for sure i mean there's never uh yeah it is it's always little bite-sized pieces that you get and yet that's what characters run on yeah like i've said in the the uh our last podcast um Wyndham Earl seems to have the most knowledge of the black lodge especially that's what's interests him in, in future episodes mm-hmm. you find out um and yet he has no idea what goes on once mm-hmm. once he approaches whatever is in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really not he's not prepared for it. So so even yeah. even yeah I mean if if and we don't know any of this at this point. This is literally the first time that any kind of any sort of yeah. really strong mythology is is hinted at. Even a really strong supernatural element like the idea of taking uh, Major Briggs out like just making him disappear in a flash of white light. We've never seen anything that physically strong. I mean Cooper's had visions of the yeah. giant 
We did and have... And he took a ring. We That's, did have um, Major Briggs with the... Uh, um, the communication that he received oh, from outer true. space. But even that. But even that, it's it's, like a it's radio wave. It's yeah, not, it's not. But it. But that was a physical manifestation yes. of something in the real world. So, yeah. um, so I mean, we've had hints of it, but this is really the first overt interruption. Uh, if, if you discount Bob. Yeah. But you know, outside of that evil, um, which up until this point just seemed like a, a spiritual demonic possession. Now we're getting hints that this is much bigger, and yeah. there and and it harkens back to UFO uh, abduction stories and and that kind of thing, which is a, t- a tangent that Twin Peaks kind of goes yeah. down, but not Never fully. fully. Um, n- certainly not until uh, the Secret History of Twin Peaks, which is a whole other story altogether. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's an interesting thing to be brought up in the last three minutes of of kind of a weird and boring episode i would say not a lot happens Except until we don't really like yeah yeah until, until the very yeah. end which is the last it's the last three minutes or five minutes of the show and 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 you've got something really major seems yeah. to be going on yeah major um, <laughs> yeah. yeah it was very punny yeah. but yeah so that's going to carry us through to the next episode yep. and uh we hope it carries you through to the next episode and mm-hmm. that you'll come back and join us for uh season two episode 11 if you're enjoying the show and want to join the conversation you can like us on facebook at facebook.com slash bickering peaks all one word you can also follow us on twitter that's at bickering peaks or you can head over to itunes and leave us a review or a comment we'd love to hear from you